you have your Bibles, if you have brick and mortar Bible, or if you have a digital Bible, would you turn with me in the scriptures this morning? Are you ready for the word of the Lord today? Amen. It's good to be in God's house. Brother Reese, thank you for preaching on the Holy Spirit this morning and spare life. Man, we need that message that we are God's house. Amen. And that he came to dwell in this earth, but now he dwells in us. We need that message today. Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Very familiar passage of scripture. For unto us. Everybody say, unto us. Say it like you mean. Say, us. He came for us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a Savior. Aren't you glad you know a Savior in Jesus Christ? Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I want to talk to you for just a little while about Jesus, our greatest gift. Jesus, our greatest gift. When I went into heart surgery a little while back, the only thing that I surmised that I could come up with as the strongest prayer I could pray going into anesthetics was the name of Jesus. I had the name on my lips, and that's what was enough. I didn't, I didn't have any thoughts of anything that I drove or any place that I lived or any vacation that I went on that was beautiful. All those things are great. But the one thing I had going into uncertainty was the name of Jesus. And I can tell you that knowing the name and the power of that name is so important to me now because of going through different things I've been through in life and the experiences I've had. And when I've used that name, it's gotten me through. Anybody got through a hard time? Anybody been through a hard time and all you had was Jesus to hang on to? I'm so thankful for this gift of a baby born in a manger. I want to tell you that no matter where we come from or who we are or what our background is, the enemy would like to divide all of that. But God is here to join us together under the banner of one all-powerful name. Amen? That the church is gathered together in the name of Jesus because that is a name above every name. And the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.19 in the New King James Version, it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. I'm thankful that God came for you. I'm thankful that God came for me. That he didn't make me walk a road where I had to find him, but he came and found me. Not putting their trespasses to them or imputing is an original word and have committed to us the word of reconciliation. He's committed to us the word. Everybody say word. That's going to be important in a little while. Christ was king, born in a major. When you focus on Jesus, everything changes, brothers and sisters. Whenever you take your focus off your problems and the struggles and the worries and you place them on Jesus, everything changes. The most important scripture probably and most, I guess, popular or well-known scripture is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his one and only son, one translation says, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Anybody thankful for that? I'm thankful for that message. Amen. And I know sports 
sports uh, athletes that put John underneath one eye and 316 underneath another, and they're using it to go into their, their particular battle of the day. But I want you to know that this was designed for us to understand that that world, that world that he came to die for was a sinful world. Amen? He came to die for cosmos, a, a world turned away from God, that he literally came and died that you might have the choice to turn your back on him. He literally came and died so you have the option in your own human will to say no to him, but he wanted to give you the option to say yes to him. And no matter who says no, there's somebody that's going to say yes, amen? There's somebody that's going to surrender their life over to the Lord. There's somebody that's going to say his, his goodness and his mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life, and I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm that person that needs that eternal life, and I shall not perish because I know him. Amen. This is the greatest gift ever given. Jesus, that baby in a manger, it really is the greatest story ever told. Amen. God, who looks and took the initiative, looked down on us to restore us to him, and then he was born in a stable or a barn, and some people have, uh, you know, different scholars believe different things on that. When I was growing up in Alaska, we would come in and out the door as kids, and my mom would say, close the door. Were you born in a barn? And I'd say, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> She's like, don't you talk back to me, boy. No. She wore flip-flops. Anybody know what flip-flops were? And she could hit me with a flip-flop from across the room. She was deadly with a flip-flop. No, I'm kidding. She didn't. But really, it was like most people believe it was a small cave, and he was laid in a manger. There's different analysis on all of this, but the picture that you need to get from that is that the creator was with the creatures he made. Maybe you missed that. Let me, let me try again. <laughs> The great designer was surrounded by his design, born by design. The precious, beautiful manger. When you look at a manger scene, do you just drive by? Or do you have a moment of awe? Because it needs to inspire an awesome feeling inside of you. You, you, you should carry with you a substantial amount of awe when you look at the manger scene every single Christmas and celebration. When you gather around with family, you need to realize that he is the God of wonder who has come in a manger. Born a creator, born in flesh, but also made himself subject to his own creation. A God who can say, I'll come vulnerable vulnerable and still be victorious. I'll do it with nothing. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll take on lowly flesh and I'll even be wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in something that isn't supposed to be a bed. I'll, I'll come and I'll, and I'll sleep where, where animals should feed. But when you come to see me, just realize I'm, I'm going to have nothing that looks like a king. But when this is all done, I'm going to make kings and priests out of everyone who comes and visits me, out of everyone who turns their life over to me. I'm going to give everything that I have back to people who I love, and I'm going to divest myself of every right so that they can have a right for heaven, for unto us. Everybody say us. He was given for us to recover us, to heal us, to deliver us, to reestablish us, to mend us, to make us new. Thank you, Reese the meta-biblical pattern of Scripture.
is obviously creation, the fall and recreation. We know through that time that there was a lot of things that took place, but he was born so we might be born again. Can we thank him for that right now? Thank him for the power of a new creation. That he came and was born of a woman. He was born of a virgin. He has to be. You cannot argue whether he was born of Joseph's creation or born of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that this whole gift that he was breaks down. It does not work if he was not born of God. We, it, it does not work if flesh is not also God. If he's not 100% man so he can die the death we were supposed to die, but also 100% God, the gift doesn't help anybody. This, this gift of this baby in a manger, it doesn't save anyone unless it's perfect blood in a perfect lamb with perfect sacrifice. We have to know that no amount of praise will be enough to praise him for what he's done. That God was in flesh, amen. That, that God Almighty could, could create in a body a, a visible and representation of who God is. All the fullness of Godhead would be in a body and in that he could die on a cross because that body was able to die but before God could not die. So look at Satan and his plan. I'll take a God who is sinless and I'll put sin in the thing he loves the most so that a God who is sinless and a people who have to die for their sins could never be recovered to God again. What a plan that seems like a good plan, doesn't it? Put the thing, if the, my iPhone was hate, or if my iPhone was sin, sorry. If my iPhone was sin, put that thing in the people that God loved, and now he'd have to love what he hated in order to love us. That was a pretty decent plan, Satan, but you forgot. He's not just God. He's the creator. He's the way maker. He can do anything. He's sovereign. And so a God who could not die created a body through a virgin woman so that he could recover what Satan thought he had lost. I don't know what you've lost in your lifetime, but we got a God who can recover anything. This gift is a gift that tells you everything is recoverable in Christ Jesus. In your life, you need to know that if you have him, you have everything. Hallelujah. He reconciled the world unto himself. I'm so thankful I know that. The simple complexity of all of that, that I, I can wrap my head around a God of glory divesting himself and coming, walking this earth and being subject, but yet having compassion on his creation. Amen. Sent to be a suffering Savior. Everyone say suffering Savior. The cross is not beautiful until you understand that he was a gift. The manger doesn't make much sense until you understand he was a gift. Great made small. Great made small. So the small could inherit his greatness. So that we could inherit his righteousness. Sometimes we don't feel great. Anybody been there? Sometimes you don't feel great. Sometimes you have the wrong value system. 
You value your system on your performance or you value your system on your, maybe even on the works that you're doing or something that you, that you feel should bring you some sort of identity or value, but that's not where we get our value. Our value is in that he was the gift that was given. And if he gave himself in such a way that he would die for you alone, if you were the only one on this planet, he would have come as a gift and still died for you. That is how great this gift is. Jesus was born to give you life and life everlasting, to recover you again from the fall. And so you may not feel great, but when you're born again of the Spirit, God enters in, and greatness is inside of you. And that's why you can't just live any old life. That's why you can't just do any old thing. That's why you can't treat people just any old way. Because that greatness starts to pulse inside of you and it says you need to forgive. You need to go back. You need to say you're sorry. You, 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 you were living in your flesh at that moment. You were living in your carnal nature. You need to go back and address that because God came so that this outer man that perishes day by day, Scripture says, would be renewed day by day. That greatness is in us. And you're just walking with a fallen flesh. So therefore, the human nature has now been given a gift of divine nature. Jesus came so that we would have him in us. Another picture of that is God in Christ, the example of divine nature in the human body. We're going to fight things all of our life. You may fight your temper all your life. You may get better at it. You may not. You may be Irish the rest of your life. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what your background is. I mean, you may come from a long line of scrappers, and you may have a hard time with words, and you want to get more physical than you want to use words, but I can tell you that Jesus was a flawless example to us of how to hold his tongue and how to go through what God had given him to go through. The will of God was on his life, and he had to do what God was wanting him to do. Therefore, we understand that sometimes you can have victory and say nothing. You can have victory and go through some of the hardest things, but if, you, if you're careful what you say in those moments, God can still give you victory, amen? If you lean into your divine gift, if you lean into your divine nature instead of your human nature, you will be victorious, amen? So another picture is the fall that we are being brought out of. We are all to live a spirit-led life. Amen, somebody? That is the best life to live. I say that all the time, but it really is. So we don't fall just like Adam and Eve. So we don't fall victims to our own fleshly nature on a regular basis. Now, I understand we have grace, and don't, don't get me wrong. I know people slip up, mess up. And that happens, but that's what Jesus came to save us from. And while we were singing today, I hope you saw it, that we were able to take on his righteousness. I want to tell you something that forever changed my life as a young man. I was fasting for about a week and a half. I was trying to reorganize. I went to Bible college for music, and I changed my major one semester in from music to theology because I knew God was calling me to preach this book, and I just didn't know how I was going to do it. I was thinking of my skills and my talents, and they just didn't add up to being where I am right now. And I wanted you to know that, that whenever I was thinking all that over, I was, I was looking at this and going, how in the world will I ever do this? And Jesus came to me and said, you're not supposed to do it on your own strength. You're supposed to do it on my strength. And I said, but Lord, do, do you not know where I came from? Do you not know the method? You know, I'm instructing the Lord. Have you ever instructed God? That's not a good place to be. God, do you not know? 
Asking God, do you not know, is, is a serious insult to a God who knows all. And when he asks you a question, you know he's not looking for an answer because he's already got the answer. He's asking you to think about it so that you get the answer so that you can move forward with the right answer. And I was telling him, Lord, you know what I came from. You know what I've been through. And, and I just feel like some weeks you're just tolerating me. I saw a little video from the skit guys. Anybody ever heard of the skit guys? I love the skit guys. They're hilarious. They were doing a little video this week, and it really spoke to me. And he was talking about how he, one guy had, had, was communicating to the church or wherever they were at, and he, and he was doing the skit. And he said, yeah, but I just feel like you always just tolerate me. You just put up with my mistakes and put up with my wrongdoings and the times I fall. And, and the one playing God said, oh, oh, hold on. You're looking at this all wrong. I don't tolerate you. I don't just put up with you. I don't pick you up and dust you off and love you less. He goes, when I look at you, I see the righteousness of Jesus. The gift. He sees not our brokenness, but he sees the healing that came through Jesus Christ on that cross. So we, we can think that we can do some things, and that's great, and you've got talents, gifts, and I'm, I'm thankful for all of that. Everything you've learned, everything you've trained into yourself, but the greatest gift you will ever give yourself is the grace that came through the gift of Jesus Christ. For you to know that I don't have to get it all perfect. I don't have to get it all right every single time. I don't have to be the one that has it all polished and all perfect. But when Jesus came, he was my perfection. He is my righteousness. He is the imputed righteousness, the word reconciled, released unto me. I feel like taking two seconds for a little praise break at the manger and just telling you that Jesus is the greatest gift that ever came into my life. God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself is the greatest gift we've ever seen. Walking in shoe leather and Satan's plan forever dismantled. Satan's plan destroyed, the plan to get sin into man. And Satan was playing with the creation because he couldn't get at the creator. But he done messed up. Because he killed Jesus, not knowing that when Jesus would resurrect, that spirit would be in all of us. And now there's a bunch of representatives of Jesus Christ with his spirit in him walking around the earth. Not just one problem, millions of problems for the devil. Walking around the earth, populating heaven and depopulating hell. Turning the world upside down. And I'm thankful that I know a God who could not die but came for us. Jesus is that greatest gift. Give Jesus to somebody, you'll give them the best thing you've ever given anybody. I don't know if you can explain it as great as the Scripture explains it, but God had a plan, and a plan brings hope, amen? And faith is the substance of things hoped for. How many have ever read that Scripture or memorized it? Meaning that... If you only have faith beating in your chest, if you only have faith in God and your situation and everything falls apart, everything turns into a pile of rubble, what's left is a sign 
even though it all looks like demise, what's left? If there's still faith in your heart, it can be rebuilt. As long as you have Jesus, the greatest gift, everything that is taken from you can be rebuilt better because your faith is what things are built on. And faith doesn't come by what you see. Doubt comes more from what you see. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And he commended the word to us for reconciliation. So faith cometh by the word, amen? You following me? (laughs) So you're going to see some stuff that will make you doubt, But if you keep hearing the word, you keep reading this word out loud to you, you keep staying in the word, you keep tuning your ear toward heaven, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you just keep reading the word of God, you cannot help yourself. Your spirit will fire off faith even in your worst moments. You'll go, I I don't know what's going on, but God can get me through. That is your evidence, that you still have some faith from the word of God, or you still have a scripture to grab onto and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you still have something to hold on to, that is your substance. That is your evidence that God is going to do something greater for you. Eyes bring doubt. Thomas is like, I, I won't believe unless I see it. And Jesus sets the standard in place. He said, Thomas, blessed are thou, because you've seen and believed, but blessed are those, that actually says, who have not seen and still believe. He said, there's a level where you can live at sight only, but there's a whole other level in God where you trust Jesus so much that when you believe, you are actually receiving blessing from God, even though you don't see it. We are living in a culture that's overexposed, brothers and sisters. I'm not going to preach to you culture. I'm not here for that. I don't preach politics or culture from this pulpit. I preach the name of Jesus and this word because it stood the test of time. Amen? His word is forever settled. Doesn't matter what government does. Doesn't matter what culture does. His word is forever settled. We're just trying to make his word come to pass in the earth as it is settled in heaven. Amen. Jesus came as the word into earth so that he could create men and women full of faith that can make this word live in their lives. And now we are the gifts that walk around screaming, Jesus can do it. Jesus can make a way. Jesus can bring you out. And they're like, well, I don't know much about Jesus. Let me teach you the word. Let me bring you in contact with a God who changes everything. I'm just so concerned at times as pastors. I see the overexposure that's taking place in our world. And it's what you see oftentimes that changes people's lives is when they encounter faith. Seeing is not believing in the spiritual world. Hearing, amen. Someone said amen is believing. Faith comes by hearing. I'm so thankful that hearing comes by the word of God. That my faith is not anchored to how good I can believe, but my faith is anchored to how good he's been and his word. That this is my anchoring point. That truth is not the repository of a church or a religion or a title. 
Methodist, Baptist, I don't care where you came from. Your truth is not based in where you came from. Your truth is based in where he came from. Because he is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. So don't get messed up with titles here. Understand that when God shows up, everything changes. He'll outlive your title. He'll outlive your box, amen? He'll come out and, and do things you wouldn't even expect him to do, but yet he's God and he can do that. The word of God is where we anchor ourselves. that his word is truth, not something a priest says, not something someone says over a pulpit, but if it's not found in this word and it's not backed up with two or three witnesses, you need to know that that is not a truth you need to put your faith in. You put your faith in very precious places. Hear me, brothers and sisters. We have to put our faith in the Word of God because Jesus was the Word of God. Amen? John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? In the beginning was the Word. That word, Word, is logos. You know what that means? Plan. It means he got a plan before he had a man. You've heard me say that before? That means he had hope for us before we had hope for ourselves. That means when you talk about the hope of Christmas, you're talking about Jesus. He always had hope for us. He always had a plan for us. Amen, somebody. There's always been hope in this story, God manifest in flesh. That's what unto us a child is born means. That's why we celebrate when people are just driving by saying pretty lights. And we're going by and all we can see is the manger scene. That lights are great. I love them. But I, I see Jesus. I see the greatest gift ever given to me. The plan was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm looking at the manger thinking this is the greatest gift God ever gave me, and if I get a chance to share it with somebody, I'm going to expose them to Jesus because their overexposed life needs to be encountered with the exposure of Jesus. He handles the overexposure of this world, brothers and sisters. And while lights are flashing, look this way, do this, do that, accept this, accept that, he's busy reconciling a world unto himself. And we get to be a part of that process. Unto God. Reconciled unto God. We were the unrighteousness. He came and became the righteousness for us. Would you just lift your hands and thank God for his righteousness? Thank you, Jesus. I cannot do it on my own. Thank you that my book of life is not consulted whenever you look at my name written in the Lamb's book of life, but you look at his perfect record. Unrighteousness would have never reconciled us without the gift called Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says, Or do you not know that the, unrighteousness, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither be neither the sexually immoral or idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Everybody say, such were some of you. Everybody likes to pick one thing out of that list. 
and just focus on it. The world likes to pick things out of lists and focus on them. But Jesus said, every sin, you throw it all in the same bucket, and I'm going to heal you from that mess. I'm going to save you from that mess. It says, but such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Would you thank him for just a minute for that? I don't know if you came from a clean background. I don't know if when they anointed you with oil, you deserved it. (laughs) I'm just thankful that this dirty boy came and found a Jesus who was perfect to help him out in a time of need. The story that I've read where it says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Scripture teaches us that angels came to the hillside of Bethlehem, a little hilly town where Jesus and Mary had gone back. You can read the story in Luke chapter 2. I hope you do read it this Christmas. But the history of his story goes like this. Joseph going to Bethlehem, the city of David, to be taxed. Mary rode the lowly donkey being heavy with child, but they found no place to stay, and they settled into the place where God had designed for them. And when he was born, they settled into the, what used to be or what seems to be a cave, and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. So Scripture says that the angels, the shepherds were watching their sheep by night, and the angels came unto them and told them that Jesus would be born. And now, the interesting thing about Scripture is that whenever God does something, it's always linked to something else. And so, when you look at Leviticus 16.34, it tells us, and this shall be an everlasting statute unto you, or covenant, to make an atonement for the children of Israel and for for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. He's speaking about atonement here. He's talking about the lamb of atonement, the, the lamb that would be sacrificed. And there were special, there were special shepherds. They're called Levitical shepherds that would keep the sheep. That would, they knew how to care for the sheep. They knew how, how to ceremonial, uh, do the ceremonial things that needed to be done in order for a lamb to be perfect and spotless, presented to the priest to be offered as an atonement. Amen. Everybody say atonement. It's a big Old Testament word that means for us to be reconciled, really. And so they knew that there was going to be a child born, and he was going to be wrapped, the angel said, in swaddling clothes. We know that swaddling clothes has its own history. One night, a Savior was going to be born, that baby Jesus. His birth would be heralded to those shepherds, and they would be watching their flocks, and the angels would appear to them and announce that the child was born, and they were revealed that this shall be a sign to you. Like there, There's going to be a sign for you to know that this is the Son of God. That, that sign is, is very important. That you shall be a sign to you. You shall see the baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Everyone say swaddling clothes. They were bands of cloth that they would use to wrap up babies. Often those, those 
tight little bound babies would have better sleep because they were wrapped like the constrictions of the womb. They, they said that it reduces all kinds of different things, but it helped the babies sleep better. But these shepherds knew something more than just we reading the story from the surface. We, we look at it as, okay, they're shepherds. They, they were told about Jesus, and they were invited because they were the lowest in the culture. They were the lowest on the totem pole, if you wouldn't mind me saying so. They were the least invited. They weren't high class. They weren't people of status. They were considered of the lowest status. And the angels invited them to the the Jesus manger because his gift is for everybody. Doesn't matter their status or their climb or or their climb into different structures or different hierarchies. We understand that the story is telling us that even the lowest of what culture or society says should not be welcome were welcome to Jesus. That's one thing we know. And they were also the Levitical shepherds, and so they had an understanding of what was going on here. When they heard that he was going to be wrapped in swaddling cloths, they knew that they had been chosen for a special reason to hear this message. For they were the ones who were already chosen and trained to attend to the flock of the sheep that were used in the sacrifices of the lamb in the temple. So the sacrificial lamb had to be spotless and without blemish. It required special treatment and observing according to the laws of the times in Scripture. The sheep that were used for the offering had to be one-year-old male sheep and had to have been outside for 365 days or one year. When they were ready, they were taken to Jerusalem to be sacrificed on the Sabbath in the temple. When the mother you was preparing to give birth to these Levitical lambs, these spotless lambs. She was taken to a special birthplace or to the only cave designated to give birth to the sacrificial lamb. Are you following me? They didn't have a space in the inn because God needed them to go to a cave so that Jesus looked like that spotless lamb. So when the... So the cave was kept sterile and clean for the arrival of the newborn sacrificial lamb. The newborn lamb was immediately wrapped in clean swaddling clothes to protect them and keep them from blemish and danger. Swaddling cloths described in the Bible consists of a cloth tied together, um, tied together by bandage like strips tied together in bandages like strips. When the declaration was made to these Levitical shepherds that watched their sheep in a special field full of sacrificial lambs, they apparently knew where to go to discover that baby. Either they, didn't, they knew that it was going to be in a place that looked much like a birthing place for a sacrificial lamb, but they also had the star to follow. There were apparently many places that held mangers in the city, but they had a comprehension of it's going to look like a sacrificial lamb when Jesus shows up because they said he was going to be wrapped in the swaddling clothes that we use to wrap up the sacrificial lambs. They already knew what this was going to look like. He will be wrapped in swaddling clothes means so much more than just a God showing up in a baby's body. It means that what he was going to look like when he shows up is he's going to look like atonement. 
When you start looking for Jesus in this earth, no matter how dark the day, Jesus is going to still look like atonement when you find him. He's going to be recovering somebody. He's going to be pulling somebody out of an addiction. He's going to be changing somebody's life. When you see Jesus, you are going to see something that looks like reconciliation. For he was reconciling the world unto himself. And the angels said it to him. I know we think they sang it, but read it yourself. They said, glory to God in the highest peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What, is they, what are they saying? There's going to be joy in this. There's going to be peace in this. Knowing that no matter how far somebody gets away from God, when you see Jesus working, it's going to look like atonement. That's why Jesus doesn't condemn anybody. That's why Jesus only convicts people. Whenever you hear in your mind a condemning voice, that is not your Jesus. Jesus looks like like atonement everywhere in scripture he looks like reconciliation so when you hear something you fall and come back to me that's your Jesus he's reaching his arms around you to reconcile you because if you go searching for Jesus he's always going to look like atonement is that okay today oh Jesus thank you for reconciling me unto yourself Thank you for restoring me to a friendly relationship with Almighty God, for recycling me and renewing me and restoring me and doing what you needed to do. Jesus, thank you for taking my actions and making them, burying them under the blood so that I could be in right standing with God. John the Baptist said it. When he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. The reason why the angels told the shepherds is because they would best be able to see, behold, the Lamb. They would best be able to know that this one came to restore all of us. Would you bow your heads with me and we pray. Jesus, I'm thankful that I know you were the propitiation for our sins, that you were the one that stood in the gap for us, not ours only, but everyone in this world, but also for those that do not know you right now, we pray that you would bring a gift of yourself to their lives through somebody this Christmas. Not only this, but also that you would exalt yourself, that God would be lifted up in our lives, that commercialism would be stripped away, and everything that we know about Christmas would be focused on the greatest gift ever given, and that's Jesus. Would you stand with me as we close today? He is the greatest gift ever given. Romans 5.11 says this, and not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We received it in Christ Jesus. The word reconciliation is used in another translation, but in the King James here, you see a word you recognize now. Jesus was our atonement. Romans 3.25, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was the demonstrate, to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously 
committed. Matthew 121, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I hope these scriptures speak to you of the greatest gift ever given. And when you read them, you just have to have a effervescence of thank you, Jesus, out of your spirit. It just bubbles up out of you. Thank you, God. I don't, I don't need the pretty bow. I don't need the perfect gift. I don't, need, I don't need the keys to the car out front. I don't need all these things that everybody is chasing this year. I, I don't need it to be beautiful. I can accept a Jesus who comes in a manger. Can you accept a Jesus that shows up in places that you weren't expecting? Can you take on a gift of Jesus that shows up wrapped in dirty, swaddling clothes? Can you accept a Jesus who is your reconciliation? Would you come and just take a moment? If you want to sit or pray or pray here, I I want you just to come and ask the Lord to help you that when he shows up, you give yourself completely to him. No matter how he comes, that you understand the peace and joy and happiness are all in him. Anything can happen when Jesus shows up. Just give him away to the world. Just give him away to the world. Jesus, help us. Thank you for being with us. God with us, the hope of glory. God with us, the hope of glory. Thank you, Jesus. The greatest gift ever given. I accept you in the dirty manger. I accept you in the dirty moments. I accept you in the difficult moments. I know you're going to work, Jesus. I'm thankful for that greatest gift. We'll just take some time with the Lord today. Yeah. Hey. 